Last week on the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete. No, that you uh, used a full size, a full price stamp for that. <laughs> when I was writing postcard stamp, when I was putting the stamp on it, I said to my sister, "Pete's gonna yell at me for using a full, full, uh, <laughs> you know, letter stamp for this." It's like, well, you always say the mailman's got to eat too, so yeah, that's <laughs> right. I that's gave right. him a tip. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was a guy that 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 worked in our in our area, and he left the company. This is probably. 17 years ago but tony k i don't know if you remember tony k we're we're moving around and i went into this file cabinet and i found tony's tax returns he he had brought his tax returns i don't know if he was photocopying at work or something it's like i got his name i got his address i got his date of birth i got a social security number oh my god so i i i put it on the dark web tell uh, pete and i have been friends for a very long time 30 plus years we met in college and then ended up uh, working together for a long time with guys that did their taxes at work (laughs) (laughs) serpico was the whistleblower uh, back then and uh, that's good good movie yeah yeah uh spoiler alert I never saw it, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> not, not sure if they say the title, but this is Sweet Understanding Love. Okay, I should have waited for it, but... Uh, <laughs> you know, I want a real Jamaican to do this. When yeah. is Carl Douglas going to do this? <laughs> yeah, I bet he could do a good, a good rendition. Go and tell... By Al Wilson off his 1973 album. A dynamite! <laughs> Actually, it's dynamite. <laughs> and a few hits for Gary Puckett and the Union Gap, including Young Girl. Young Girl, get out of my mind. So it seems like uh, Tony Orlando did uh, a little bit of Rex Jamey in his <laughs> career. <laughs> You're getting good at that. Yeah. What if he shares a birthday with you? Nah, you know who does? Billy who? Idol. <laughs> but I remember that record cover, and I think it was good form for them to keep their shirts on for that record cover because I think they're on a boat. All right. Uh, not <laughs> so, like, uh, not Edgar, like the guy Edgar down Winter. At the gym. <laughs> Edgar Winter. <laughs> no shirt guy. Yeah, no shirt guy. <laughs> did you sing at the age of two? Uh-huh, I did not. You probably went, yeah, da, 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 da. Uh, and like the, the Count of Monte Cristo, I cursed the day I was born. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> so, Steve Miller's still with us. He's uh, 79. <laughs> that was good timing. <laughs> A sexy 79, right? <laughs> oh, see. So I would label this sexy Sprechstimme. Sprechstimme. <laughs> <laughs> P 
Pete, do you remember Bobby Fitton's Polka version of this? Where he sings uh, instead of asking, you know, was she crying? He says, was she Polish? (laughs) And I asked him, who's Phil Shepardson? He's like, uh. And I went, He's what's that? I said, that's Trumpeter's Delight from A School's Match Wits. I get other people's documents that they wrote years ago. All right. Instead of using tables or tabs, they use spaces. (laughs) Hit the space key. All right. Over and over and over again. And you turn, you you do reveal codes, and you look at this and say, oh my gosh, don't you know how to use a freaking computer? It is not a typewriter. Which one of my documents were you looking at? (laughs) (laughs) The story of this. So I would have called you the pompatus of Roback. Maybe I'd have to use it at work, you know, the pompatus of fill in the blank yeah <laughs> but who did, would get it did we ever work with a maurice i did actually there was a guy um, in, in the uh farmington the plant named, named yeah. maurice and i used to joke about that some people call him the gangster of love. again and welcome to the 70s weekly countdown with mark and pete a show where two friends review a randomly chosen american top 40 episode from the 1970s the most interesting decade in pop music my name is mark robeck and with me is my friend and co-host peter gardo hello peter what's happening i got a bloody nose (laughs) (laughs) yeah i knew that was happening actually before (laughs) i asked you the question So hopefully I'll get through this and not losing all my blood. I don't know how that happened. It's, yeah. You know, it's it's warm. It's not dry like it is typically in the middle of the winter. A couple of nights ago, I didn't feel very good. I had to leave a meeting. I'm not sick. I'm, I think I'm just more like worn out. So who knows what this is? Maybe this is the the last gasp of, of me, but who knows? But other than that, th- you know, things are good. Uh, Thanksgiving's over. Uh, Christmas is coming around. And uh, I don't know. Do you do, we don't have a tree up. Do you, we, I put the lights up. Uh, couple weeks ago uh, 10 days ago or so 
Are are things uh, illegal at your uh, apartment complex? Um, no. Nah. Put a wreath on your door or something? Or... Yeah, yeah, I can do that stuff. I got a little live tree that I bought as a part of a fundraiser. And then I, I have lights strung on the railings of my balcony. And the secret is I, I leave them up all year. And then I just <laughs> turn them on at this time. Because the first year it was like too much of a pain in the butt to take them off. I'm just going to take them off put them in the garage and then a year later, put them back up. And just, oh, I'll just leave them. <laughs> Got together with some people over the weekend, my uh, brother-in-law and my niece and her husband, and then Dave Kay and his wife, on uh, a barb on a Sunday. Very and, good. And then played trivia last night. And it was only uh, Chris B and myself. And we came in second. We had an awesome wow. night. So yeah. Well, you guys are really, really smart. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that. The categories that not hit. What was it? Uh, transistors and software and uh, the right-hand rule? You would think that was what it might be. But they had one category was all about Comet. I happen to know Haley's Comet comes around every 76, 76 years. years. Yeah. And, and I also knew that it, it appeared in 1986. And so right. that figured heavily in the in the questioning so that was one well, of well did things. you know that it came around when mark twain was born and when he died well that's why i knew that because uh mark twain and i and billy idol all share the same birthday so quite the rogues gallery there huh yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know we, we we got a special gift on the on the text machine do you think we're gonna use it Good, good question. I, I, I was going to discuss that with you. I don't know whether we should discuss it online or offline, but uh, it looks great. You know? I think it looks great. Yeah. Throw it in there. All right. Yeah, I'll put it up there. And then if we uh, get sued, we'll blame Nate. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank uh, you, Nate. Yeah. So uh, as you can tell, Pete and I have been friends for a long time, three plus years. We met in college and then ended up working together for a long time. In each of these episodes, we'll review all 40 songs in the Chosen Weeks Countdown and provide some factual information on each song, as well as our personal opinions, stories, and comments related to it. At the end of the episode, we'll provide our individual choices for the best and worst song, a song that we think will torture the other guy that we've labeled the agonizer, and we'll give our individual A-plus through F grade for the entire countdown. Since nobody has the exact same taste in music, our opinions on individual songs may be controversial, but we otherwise intend to keep the conversation light, humorous, and hopefully entertaining. Remember, this is just a discussion, not a competition, so please no wagering. <laughs> this week is uh, episode 32 of the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, the American Top 40 for the week, ending December 15th, 1979. And the title of this week's episode is The Pina Colada That Killed the Radio Star. So, do you have any idea what you were doing around mid-December of 1979? Absolutely. So, I pulled out my dad's date book. And for those of you watching on Channel 18, it's pretty pretty empty. Sparse, um, yeah. If, if we go back to November, I'm going to show you that on Channel 18 in a second. All right? It's pretty full. Yeah, yeah. All right. And uh, this weekend really didn't have anything, but this day was Hanukkah. Now... I noticed this because I looked at the date book and they, this date book, which is published by, well, this, this is a, 
American Society of Mechanical Engineers date book published by the Forbes per, uh, Products Corporation, Rochester, New York, spells Hanukkah with a C-H. And I, I noticed on the iPad that they spell it with an H, Hanukkah with an H. And this is Chanukah, like Chaka Khan. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know which one's right now. Did they... Did they change it? You know, is there a preferred spelling? And uh, so if anyone knows that, you know, at 70s Weekly is our Twitter handle or <laughs> or, or are both uh, uh, acceptable. So uh, but anyhow, I was in the ninth grade at this point in time. And I know the night before I was probably at, uh, at a Boy Scout meeting and I probably got home to watch Dukes of Hazard. Uh, earlier this week, it says sister number one hospital. And I forget what she went to the hospital for, but she was on a trimester where she went to college. So she would have been a senior uh, in college and she would have been home from school already. And, and they went to June at, at that particular uh, university, you know, so around this time, ninth grade, I don't know, you were in the 10th grade then, right? Yeah. 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 And I had uh, just turned uh, 15 years old about a half a month earlier or whatever. I have nothing in particular about this this time period, though. Interesting well, time. The 70s were coming to an end, right? You know, we were oh, anticipating I, the big turnover of the decade, which... First one that we remembered. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 I remember kind of being a little, like, apprehensive about this. Like, oh, my God, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be the 1980s. No, nothing smokes. compared to Y2K 20 years later where the world was going to end. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I remember thinking about how old I was going to be, you know, in the year 2000. Like, oh, my God. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy, that was you know, 22 years ago. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So the uh, the afternoon paper had long been out of uh, uh, print. So what, what would you find uh, when you walked out to your uh, your stoop on uh, in the mornings in the papers? Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, some tragic news on the December 3rd, uh, 11 members of the audience were trampled to death during a stampede to claim unreserved seats uh, for a concert by The Who at the Riverfront Coliseum in Cincinnati, Ohio. And um, do you remember the KRP in Cincinnati actually did like oh, a sure. special yeah. episode about that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That. That, was, that was big news. Yeah, yeah. The only time I ever uh, was at festival seating like down on the hockey rink was up at, at the Springfield Civic Center where I guess it was Skid Row opened up for Aerosmith and the Sebastian Bach throwing the bottle and then oh, and he got arrested and that's one of the things that, that, that killed the city they say in the uh, in the Springfield Republican or whatever the newspaper is up there but it was fun because what we had, ended up doing was we're, we moved like the plywood and the ice was right underneath the plywood so we could slide around well <laughs> well you know i don't know walk this way was being played <laughs> that was in i think 1989 uh, <laughs> 10 uh, years after this yeah wow uh, yeah that's 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 funny yeah i don't i don't know that i ever went to like a concert with that type of seating you know I, I, it's scary when you get like big crowds and and you know stuff starts moving i remember going to something up in uh in the boston area and it was crowded and we were taking the tea after and it was like we were in the on the back of the platform and then the first train came and it filled up and then we were like right at the front like right on the edge and 
I could feel like the crowd pushing from behind, you know, and then the next train came up and I swear, I felt like I wasn't moving my legs. Like the whole crowd just moved me oh, into wow. the car, you know? And I, I remember thinking at that point about that, that thing that happened in Cincinnati. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, it, it's scary. It's so powerful. So well, that thing happened in, in South Korea on Halloween, I guess. Yeah. That weekend, you know, it always seems to happen like over at the Mecca. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's, uh, if you have like a tremendous crowd, it's yeah. Be careful out there when you go to big things, folks. And even yeah. nowadays, it's you know, I, I, my friend uh, used to have season tickets to the Patriots, and uh, it was easy getting in and out before like nine eleven. But getting into the into like Foxborough or Sullivan or Schaefer Stadium, whatever it was, was <laughs> yeah. uh, used to be so easy. And then it turned into this 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 big crowd, and they're looking at you know making sure you're okay. You didn't have a a bomb or whatever. And I always thought that, you know, don't don't bring it inside, you know, put it outside where where everyone's putting their their bottle that's half full of beer that they have to throw away. And <laughs> yeah, know, not that I'm suggesting that anyone does that, but it it, it just created this this gridlock. And yeah. uh, I don't I don't know if it's any better because, you know, but I'm not a crowd specialist. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it seems like every event or venue you go to they do it differently and some they seem to do it well and others they're like you know i don't know it just uh it's too slow or they don't have enough people checking or what have you but yeah well when i went to that concert down at the uh at the casino back in september we just walked right in yeah yeah so, but it's a different crowd who you know who knows yeah so uh yeah anything else in the news yeah, yeah. So then on uh, December 13th, Saudi Arabia raises uh, the market crude price of uh, oil to $24 a barrel. And then uh, three days later, Libya does the same thing, joining uh, four other OPEC nations. And that had a big effect on uh, yeah, energy in the United States yeah. at that time. Yeah. So. And, and I think soon after that... Uh... We went to odd even again with plates and getting uh, gas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny did that did that show up at all in um, your gasoline log? Perhaps well, that we'll that would be in nineteen eighty. Okay, right? and, oh, and we're, okay. St we're staying out of there until we're done with the five hundred and twenty weeks of uh, the seventies. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I jumped ahead a decade. We're so close. I just <laughs> <laughs> we certainly are. Yeah. So, anything in tech going on, Mark? Yeah, I just wanted to mention this because we've sort of brought it up before, but uh, on December 9th, the uh, World Health Organization certified the global eradication of smallpox. So it's just kind of interesting how we, we talked about it before. I had that article from 1968 where, uh, you know, Africa was like the last kind of stronghold and they were concentrating on that. And it looks like it took them... Yeah, 11 years or so, but then they finally eradicated it. So that yeah. was good news for the world, I guess, mm -hmm. back then. Absolutely. Yeah. So anything uh, with the economy other than gas? Yeah, yeah. You know, tough 70s. Uh, unemployment rate was 6.1% uh, and the inflation rate was 13.3%. Um, wow. So big, big uh, price increases. The same buying power of today's dollar was about 24 cents back then cost of a gallon of regular gas was 86 cents at least on average for the year 
which was about $3.53 today. And that's, you know, reaching kind of parity to what we're paying about right now, right? Yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, does that match uh, any uh, real-time data you might have from this period? Is there gas in the car? Yes, there's gas in the car. Absolutely. So, well, no. <laughs> but I okay. have data. You have data. I have data. So Absolutely. on the next day, the 16th, gas was purchased. And it looks as though it was probably right after church for the 74 Dasher. And it was uh, $1.09 a gallon, 26, uh, 25.6 miles per gallon. Mm. And the VW bus got uh, filled up on the 12th, which is three days earlier. And it was uh, $1.06 uh, per gallon. And that was in the big city, not not up near church, and uh, seventeen point eight miles per gallon. Yeah, so so we were all freaking out that it went uh, up over a buck a gallon for the first time, probably. Yeah. I, I think you know. Well, I I can remember that summer uh, on Homestead Avenue. It was I think it was Stanadine that did uh, pumps, and they had all these pumps lined up for because for a while, gas was always less than a dollar a gallon, so they're only two digits in the tenths oh, yeah. amount and so i can remember having to buy or my i didn't buy gas then but my father bought gas and they changed it to liters all right for oh, a while yeah i think because, i remember that because what they needed to do is they needed to go and put another digit in all of the gas pumps yeah all those yeah. analog gas pumps yeah. you remember that yeah i do yeah I, 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 now that you mention it yeah that liter thing i do remember that wow yeah Quite the times. It'd be interesting to see in 79 a, a monthly plot of it because, you know, like here I had that. Oh, I, I can give you that data. I got, <laughs> I got, I got books. I, I got, I got log books. That's true. Yeah. What am I saying? Uh, uh, <laughs> forgive me. Don't you think I know that? <laughs> He's got the real time data right there. Well, we, you can tabulate that and give me a full report uh, <laughs> okay. that I could put in the show notes. How's that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> So anything on TV? Uh, yeah. So I did something a little bit different this time. Instead of focusing on one night, This the 70s in particular were the era of the variety shows, and they had a lot of variety specials. And this being, you know, getting close to Christmas, there was a lot of specials on. So on uh, Thursday, December 13th, at, on NBC at 9, you had the Bob Hope Christmas special, and he had... Angie Dickinson, Adam Rich, Bonnie Franklin. Yeah, and that, the description says, Bob burns the Yuletide log with his guests. <laughs> so, so that, when I read that, I was I was thinking, was Bob Burns on the show? And you didn't <laughs> capitalize the B. <laughs> Actually, when I read that, uh, just that little sentence, I was kind of, huh? But as you, as you read it, I get it. Yeah, so that was that. And then... Uh, I, Right after that, at 10, yet another special, and it was Dean Martin's Christmas in California. And he had Shirley Jones, Don DeLuise, Ruth Buzzy, and the Gold Diggers. And the description is a Christmas frolic at SeaWorld in the San Diego Zoo. I, I'm thinking, not sure if it was, I think it was Saturday Night Live or SCTV. They did this thing, and I might have mentioned it before, a skit where they had the Dean Martin Global Warming Christmas special. And it was just, and he had like Carl Sagan on and, and all these people. And it was just, it was like, 
it got really depressing. Crystal Gale was on, and then somebody like threw blood on her because she was wearing a fur coat. And then and then Dean Martin's just like, "This is terrible. This is so depressing. Let's bring out the gold diggers." So uh, if I could find a, a link to that, I'll put it up because I thought it was pretty funny. It's just when I read that, it's like, oh yeah, Christmas is California. Oh, and the best part is the George Hamilton, which I don't even want to give it away. But <laughs> George okay, Hamilton well he's died. great. Yeah, but so. it's but it's fake. Yeah, it's fake a fake Dean Martin and fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. fake. Everybody, yeah, okay. just just a, a parody, but but well done. Moving on to Friday, December fourteenth, uh, on ABC at eight o'clock, you had the Donnie and Marie Christmas special, Dorothy Hamill and Adam Rich again. So Adam Rich, you know, from Eight Is Enough, uh, Nicholas, he very busy young man there. <laughs> not, not, well, Adam Rich is in my favorite Christmas story, which is. The Bionic Christmas Carol. Yes. Where he is one of the sons of Dick Sargent, whose right. who's, uh, uncle runs the aerospace company, and they make him work on on, on Christmas Eve and day. And uh, Ray Walston, uh, my favorite Martian, and Mr. Hand plays the Ebenezer Scrooge character. And then, of course, Steve Austin playing the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future for one of them, uh, I think it must be the future, takes out a, a slate out of the walkway and makes uh, the uh, uh, a tombstone yeah. for Ray Walston's character, and he and he chisels it with his bionic finger. Yeah, yeah. And so was Adam Rich, the quote Tiny Tim, uh, you know, analog. He was one. Of, he was one of the children. There were okay. three children. All right, and then uh, ABC at nine p.m. You had. Terry Como's Christmas in New Mexico. Beautiful. With Joyce DeWitt, Greer Garson, and Ann Murray was on that. And also mm -hmm. uh, Buffy St. Marie. And then finally, we get to Saturday. And there's a special called The Bear Who Slept Through Christmas. And that's on CBS at 8 o'clock. And it has Tommy Smothers, Artie Johnson, Barbara Felton, Kelly Lang, and Casey Kasem is on wow. it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And it's All right, Casey. Uh, a teddy bear fights off hibernation to embark on a search for Christmas. Beautiful. Yeah. And then at 10 p.m. on ABC, you had uh, just a, a regular Fantasy Island uh, episode of The Inventor slash On the Side from season three, episode uh, 13. And Artie Johnson is on that as well. So we've got some busy repeat actors on the mm -hmm. on the TV screen. So there was a, a Kojak I saw a couple of weeks ago that Artie Johnson was on, where he's like a little think, okay? Yeah. And and it's the one where the photographer is, he's like a, the paparazzi always taking pictures of this woman and she has fake jewels. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah, yeah. And, and and so the the sister's husband is the one that wants to steal the the uh, the jewels and they're all paste but yeah. the woman that that the photographer and and I think that the actor was someone you would know uh Teague something other I don't know um Brian T I don't know but the woman was Dick Sargent's wife in the Bionic Christmas Carol and she was also <laughs> the woman that Dick Van Dyke um the wife of Dick Van Dyke on uh on the Colombo, yeah, so, when he was the photographer, another he was the, photographer. He was the photographer there. Yeah, yeah. So she's got some bad luck. 
photographer. Yeah. yeah, she survived, but the photographer didn't. But, I do remember uh, that, Kojak. Yeah. So anything at the at the Rialto or uh, Paris Theater? Yeah, yeah. Some some big movies here. Maybe maybe you've seen uh, one or more of these uh, on December eighth, The Deer Hunter with uh, Robert De Niro, Meryl Streep, and Christopher Walken. That no, I never saw it. Big movie at the time about uh, the Vietnam uh, War. And then uh, on December 15th, Superman, starring Christopher Reeve, Margot Kidder, and Gene Hackman. Ever seen I, that one? I, I have seen that. I love Gene Hackman in, in that one and the second one. I think he's, he's, he's hilarious as Lex Luthor. And then on uh, December 20th, Every Which Way But Loose with Clint Eastwood and Clyde. The orangutan. <laughs> yeah, I, I never saw that either. I, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Well, you saw one out of three ain't bad, like Meatloaf would say. <laughs> <laughs> no, he would say two out of three. Yeah. <laughs> or not seeing two out of three ain't bad, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What would Casey say? Uh, yeah. Casey would say, now on with the countdown. Well, welcome to the 80s with this song. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so this uh, this one peaked right here at number 40. It's Video Killed the Radio Star by The Buggles off their album The Age of Plastic. So this song was a big hit in England in 1979, but pretty much unknown in America. It was uh, number one in 16 different countries and was Australia's best-selling record for 27 years. And it wow. was what's so famous about this song, Pete. It was the first video ever played on MTV. That's right. Yeah. MTV launched on uh, August 1st, 1981, and it was the very first video. So, yeah. Um... Well, the only thing I know about the Buggles is they later got together with the bass player in Alan White from Yes, and they reformed Yes. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was Chris uh, Squire, yeah, yeah, Trevor Horn and uh, Trevor Jeff, Horn and Trevor Rabin, yeah, and, and Jeff Downs of the Buggles replaced Rick Wakeman and John Anderson, and yes, in 1980, yeah. yeah. I didn't remember the song. I, I didn't either. This is I still have dreams by. Richie Fury? Fury. Fury? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Casey uh, said that uh, he's been a member of the Buffalo Springfield, Poco, and the Souther Hillman Fury Band. And uh, this one peaked right here. You say Buffalo. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Buffalo Springfield. Did I really really say Buffalo? (laughs) I don't know. Check the tape. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't remember this one. I couldn't find much about it. Uh, it peaked right here at number 39, and it was uh, this guy's only top 40 hit as a solo performer. Um, and he's still with us. He's 78 years old. This is insane. All you did was say hello. Love I used to know 
So I, I they, they played a long version of a song with the same name by Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. But it was the, it was the Stills Nash Band or something today. It was live, and the host Earl Bailey says, "Well, Deja Vu is you know you're there before, and then there's Vuja Day, which is you haven't been there yet." Which was the joke. <laughs> There it is, uh, Deja Vu by Dionne Warwick, off her album, uh, Dionne. Tonight on It's the Mind, we examine the phenomenon of Deja Vu. That strange feeling we sometimes get that we've lived through something before. And uh, this one got to number 15. So Barry Manilow produced uh, this uh, album for Dionne Warwick, and the song was written by his frequent collaborator, uh, Adrian Anderson, along with... uh, Isaac Hayes and uh, Dionne Warwick won the 1979 Grammy for Best Female R&B Performance for this song. Um, the same year she won the Best Female Pop Vocal Performance for I'll Never Love This Way Again. Right. Making- that was number seven on our last countdown from 11 weeks ago, episode 22 from September 29th, 1979. Yep. So winning those two awards made uh, her the first woman to win um, both categories in the same year. Wow. And that, that was two of her six Grammys she got in uh, in her lifetime. That she's um, great. Yeah. And yeah, starting with her first hit in 1962, Dion has had 28 top 40 songs. And she's still with us. She turns 82 on December 12th. Okay. Call the psychic hotline. Yeah. Well, I heard this song too much this past weekend after the passing of Christine McVie as they switched deep tracks on XM radio over to the Fleetwood Mac channel. Uh-huh. And and everyone that introduced this this song says I don't know what it's about. You know, Christine McVie, I don't know what it's about. And, you know, you have to ask Lindsay. And and then, uh, who's the other one? Uh, Stevie Nicks. I don't know what it's all about. You have to ask Lindsay. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, marching did, bands and a bunch they, of nonsense. Yeah. Did they elaborate so that... No, because I never heard Lindsey Buckingham talk about it. Yeah, so this is yeah, Tusk by Fleetwood Mac, and uh, this one got to number eight. And so from what I read, Tusk is the slang for Johnson. Um, so the song's basically about sex. But Stevie Nicks uh, heard the album was going to be called Tusk, and she objected, but McFleetwood really wanted to use the title, so he ignored her and... She dropped the subject and she said, I didn't understand the title. There was nothing beautiful or elegant about the word Tusk. It really brought to mind those people stealing ivory. Even then in 1979, you just thought those rhinos are being poached and the Tusks are being stolen. <laughs> so, Mick, yeah, there, I think I heard Mick Fleetwood or maybe it was one of the ladies saying how they, when they went on tour, they had Mick Fleetwood had big giant tusks you know, surrounding his drum kit. 
yeah. So the the music for this was based on a riff the band used to play when they were uh, introduced at concerts as the lights came up, and they um, they were introduced to the audience. So uh, when it came time to record the Tusk album, they decided to use it for a song, and they had the University of Southern California marching band play on the track. Hearing them right there sounds kind of like the. Uh, which was that song from Disco Hits? Was it <laughs> Rock the Boat? <laughs> Rock the Boat yeah. with a trombone. Yeah. Like the high school band. Yeah. Well, this is number 19 on our last countdown. Dim All the Lights by the Queen of Disco, Donna Summer. And, uh, big artist yeah. at this point in time. Even after disco demolition night which was half a year ago yeah yeah so this one uh yeah it got to number two and uh for Cashbox, donna summer was the 20th best-selling artist of the 1970s just behind the eagles and just ahead of aretha franklin number 35 chiquitita tell me what's wrong do you eat bananas? <laughs> um, yeah, occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like them? Like, I like them when they're green. <laughs> yeah, I think I like them when they're a little bit firm, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Because before you know it, they're like black. Yeah. So, I, I remember the song. I really didn't care for it then. And I really don't care for it now. Yeah. Yeah. This is a... Chiquitita by ABBA <laughs> off their album Veluz Vus. <laughs> I'm having a hard time tonight already. <laughs> so uh, Casey talked about uh, and he talked about this the last time we had ABBA on too about how they're the only the palindrome. Uh, yeah. thing with a palindrome. Yeah, they had the song SOS and uh, ABBA well, the same uh, spell for Anyway, the one thing about this song is uh, Apple performed the song in the uh, 1979 uh, Music for UNICEF concert, and Abba donated half the proceeds from the song to UNICEF. So, but it's nice because they didn't get enough from kids walking around at Halloween right. with the coin box. Yeah. Casey was saying about this artist who's from Hawaii. It's a gift from the islands or something, and now she lives in California or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So this is a Devon Element, and the song is Love Pains. And actually, Casey said, quote, The newest state among our 50, Hawaii is known for its scenic beauty. And one of Hawaii's scenic beauties now on loan to California is the Bond Element. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So this song peaked right here at number 34. It was written by Michael Price, uh, Dan Walsh, and Steve Barry. And it was originally recorded uh, by Yvonne in 1979. Both uh, Hazel Dean and Liza Minnelli covered it and had hits in uh, 1989 and 1990 respectively with their versions. There's also been many other cover versions of this song. 
Um, so this was the last of uh, Yvonne's five top 40 hits in the 70s. And um, she ran into a little trouble in uh, August of uh, 2017. Her and her husband were performing in Guam and they uh, got caught at customs for possession of marijuana and methamphetamine. Ooh. But uh, after spending a night in jail, she and her husband were pleaded guilty to possession of a controlled substance. They continued on their planned concert and were allowed to return to Hawaii on probation. And they were ordered to perform community service and serve the remainder of a two-week sentence there. So, yep. So Yvonne is uh, 70 years old, and uh, she'll be 71 on December 29th. It's all behind me, there's been luck up ahead. Can't break what's left of my heart. Once bitten twice. You know, this is not slow ride. This is not fool for the city. You know. This doesn't this doesn't fit. And when I saw them at the Yape Fest with Steppenwolf and Robin Trower and Blue Oyster Cult. I don't remember they did this because this is a pop hit. Here it is. Right now. This has to be a cover, right, Mark? Um, yeah, I couldn't find much on this song. So, yeah, this is third time lucky. Uh, parentheses, first time I was a fool by Foghat off their album Boogie Motel. Um, this one got to number 23 and was the last of their five top 40 songs in the 70s. Uh, the album was recorded at Boogie Motel Studios in Port Jefferson, New York, so that's what they called the album that. And, uh, oh, on Long Island. Yeah. Casey said this is their first hit since Stone Blue in 1978. Yeah. Well, this is the first of two songs in a row that start with the word don't. <laughs> so, yeah. don't walk, run. No. This is, uh, yeah, Don't Let Go. It's by Isaac Hayes. And uh, Casey said Isaac Hayes was so poor when he was a young boy that he actually spent one summer living in an abandoned limousine <laughs> and uh, when he hit it big he bought himself a fleet of limousines just to <laughs> remedy that so so this song was written by jesse stone um and the song was first a hit for roy hamilton in 1958 and this has been covered a boatload of times uh, Isaac Hayes recorded this disco version of the song and it uh, peaked at number 11 on the soul chart and got to number 18 on the uh, on the pop chart. So the song was uh, Isaac Hayes' most successful entry on the disco chart, peaking at number three. I, go take a look at the songs that Isaac Hayes wrote or co-wrote. It's it's huge. Um, look at his disco- discography in uh, Wikipedia. Um, but uh, unfortunately, we lost him in 2006 at the age of 65. 
Yeah. You know, I don't remember this song at all, and this no. is when I was listening, still listening to pop radio. Yeah. Yeah. Now I remember this song because I have yeah. the LP. Yeah. The second of two don't songs. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. There it is. Don't do me like that by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers off Damn the Torpedoes. Um, so Casey said uh, the band was originally called Mud Crutch. And, uh, right. This one got to number 10. Uh, Tom Penny wrote this after uh, Mud Crutch uh, moved from Florida to Los Angeles in 1974. And the song finds him warning, um, or at least asking a girl not to dump him as a friend of his uh, recently had his heart broken. Free uh, Magazine called this song a throwaway romp. Tom Petty strongly considered giving the song to the Jake Giles band because he thought it had their sound. Um, the Tom Petty and Heartbreakers had opened for the Jake Giles band on tour. Um, and um, when Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers made their first appearance as musical guests on Saturday Night Live, November 10th, 1979, they played Refugee and this song. Um, uh, yeah, unfortunately, Tom Petty passed away in 2017 at the age of 66. Well, Dan the Torpedoes is a, is a wonderful LP. And uh, <clears throat> kind of going back a few songs after uh, Tom Petty. Well, later on, Tom Petty recorded Mud Crunch about 15 years ago and put out a, another record with those first guys, including Mike Campbell. All right, he was a heartbreaker. And Mike Campbell is now in the Fleetwood Mac after they fired Lindsey Buckingham. Oh. So. Interesting. goes for a while. This is Hall & Oates. Wait for me. It's uh, off their album Ecstatic. Um, this one got to number 18 and it was uh, written by Daryl Hall and produced by David Foster. It was the third single released from uh, their eighth studio album, Ecstatic. And this was the only hit off that album. And uh, both Daryl Hall and John Oates are still with us. Uh, Daryl's 76 and John is 74. So there's a big gap in the recording here. <clears throat> and uh, it, it was either a long distance dedication or something from the AT40 archive. But one thing I did notice, and I, I'm, it's kind of interesting, for the long distance dedications, which started late. You know, I think we had the first one uh, that they did in like 77 or 78. But Barry Manilow was one of them. And Barry Manilow always seems to be on the long distance dedication. So uh, good for Barry that he keeps on getting royalties for those plays. <laughs> yeah. He won't get them from here, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
know, the producer of this record cut his chops with the Beatles as an engineer, and then he produced The Dark Side of the Moon, one of the biggest records ever made. And then he said, uh, I want the green. So he invented a band named after himself, the Alan Parsons Project. And uh, I got a whole bunch of Alan Parsons Project records in my collection. Yeah. So there it is. This is a Damned If I Do. Um, this one peaked a little higher at number 27. So um, when people ask me what I did in my career as a project engineer, I tell them that I worked on important projects like the Alan Parsons Project and <laughs> the Joe Perry Project. <laughs> but uh, anyway, this well, song, those were successes. Yeah. Well, maybe this was more than the Joe Perry Project. Yeah. So this is off the uh, the album Eve. Um, it was the first oh, yeah. studio album. Um, from these guys and the album's opening instrumental Lucifer was a major hit in Europe um, they had a total of six top 40 hits with the biggest being Games People Play that was number 16 in 1980 and Eye in the Sky that was number 3 in 1982 isn't that Lucifer always played like before an NBA game yeah I I, I didn't go off and listen to it because I was trying to remember what what song that was. It goes. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> you got it? No. <laughs> you don't get it? No. <laughs> Should I go find it? Should I stop the recording and go find it? <laughs> well, we'll do that offline. <laughs> So, this is the uh, first of two songs that have the word lover in it, in a row. And uh, this guy changed his name. Yeah, so there it is. I Need a Lover by John Cougar at this point off his album A Biography. Of course, he would later go back to his real name, which is John Mellencamp. Um, so this one peaked right here at number 28. Personally, I, I think this is one of John Cougar's uh, best songs. Um, I, I always liked this one. But uh, yeah, uh, he wrote this one and it was his first hit. At the time, yeah, he was known as John Cougar and he had uh, recently uh, been given that name uh, by his manager Tony DeFries or DeFries. So Pat maybe Bennett, Tony should have used it because he could have pronounced it. Yeah, yeah, Cougar's <laughs> a lot easier. But uh, Pat Benatar recorded this on her first album in 1979. Her producer Mike Chapman heard Mel Cap perform the song um, at the Los Angeles club The Whiskey A Go Go when he was the opening act for the British band The Jam. And uh, Benatar's album sold well, and as the credited writer of uh, one of the 10 tracks, Mount Camp got uh, a welcome infusion of cash from the royalties. So on the album version of the song, which runs uh, 5 minutes, 35 seconds, there's a 2 minute, 29 second intro before the vocals come in. Uh, and that was taken out for the release of the single, most of it anyway. Uh, 
the single only runs three minutes 44. So John's still with us. He's uh, 71 years old. Uh, all I know is that when I was in college, you know, a few years after this, when he changed his name, they, someone called him John Cougar Menstrual Cramp. Oh, God. <laughs> Clever, but rude. (laughs) Now, this is Prince. In case he had some interesting words about Mr. Prince, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, I Want to Be Your Lover. And uh, Casey said uh, the song had leaped Hold up. on. I, what did he say? This song. Oh, oh yeah. Gotta, said, yeah. So he said, this one leaped up 13 notches this week. And this, uh, this artist is a singer, a songwriter, a producer, and a m- musician all rolled up into one, a one-man band called Prince. <laughs> So this one got to number 11 and number one on the R&B chart, and it was his breakout hit. And according to the liner notes in the Prince uh, compilation album, the hits slash the B-sides, this song was inspired by Patrice Ruchin, an R&B singer-songwriter. I guess she did Forget Me Nots. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and she did some work programming synthesizers on Prince's debut album. Apparently, Prince was kind of smitten with her, but nothing came of it. He offered both I Want to Be Your Lover and I Feel For You to her, but she turned them down. And uh, yeah, so we we lost uh, Prince, of course, in 2016 at the age of 56. Yikes. Um, Yeah. And uh, yeah, this this album was self-titled. It was called Prince, and it's another album with a shirtless artist on the front. <laughs> so, remember when, when Prince had issues with uh, Warner Brucker Warner, Warner Brucker Warner Brother <laughs> Records and and he changed his name to Doohickey you know that, that oh yeah that the symbol, symbol. Yeah. yeah and he was the artist formerly known as Prince yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doohickey considered him a coward of the artist known as Doohickey. <laughs> well, <clears throat> the gambler here was uh, number 30 last time around with something I didn't... Those of you looking on Channel 18, I wrote down number 30. I didn't write down the actual song. So what do you got for this? I'll go in my archives and figure out what it was. Yeah, so this is a Coward of the County by Kenny Rogers off his album Kenny. Um, this one went to number three. Uh, I used to swap the later lyric in this song as a joke where um, I would say you could hear the door lock when he stopped and dropped the pin. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, so like, uh, I don't know, was it the gambler in the previous episode? But um, like that song, this song uh, tells a compelling story and um, it was made into a TV movie. Howard of the County aired October 7th, 1981. It tells a familiar tale, that of the cowboy or similar Western character who, although a confirmed pacifist, is pushed a bit too far. And uh, 
Kenny Rogers acted in the film and sang, and this was co-written by Roger Bowling, who also wrote uh, the massive hit Blanket on the Ground. And uh, see, uh, this song got to number one on uh, the UK, Ireland, and Canadian charts, and number one on the country chart as well. So big, big song. Yeah, so a song last time around was You Decorated My Life. Ah. And uh, now the other thing is, last week we had uh, Bo Duke uh, uh, introduce the the episode. And he was in the movie, the TV movie, The Gambler. Ah. Thank you. Yeah. I'll I'll put a link in the show notes to the trailer for this movie if I can find it, or at least the IMDb entry. Welcome to the 80s again. (laughs) And uh, this was number 11 on our countdown last time around, 11 weeks ago from September 1979. Yeah. Yeah, this is Pop Music by M. So the real name was Robin Scott. And yeah, this song was a big worldwide hit. Uh, got to number one in Australia, Sweden, West Germany, and Belgium. Every now and then I cry. Every night. Was Anne on one of those shows that you talked about earlier? She yeah. was. She was on Perry Como's show. Yeah. yeah. Because she wants to fall asleep too, like Perry Como. <laughs> uh, she kind of, I think, fit in well on that show. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so this is Broken Hearted Me by Ann Murray. And uh, this is off uh, her album, I'll Always Love You. And um, this one got to number 12, falling back a bit now. Uh, so Anne Murray, yeah, she crossed over again with this uh, sad song. Yes. Uh, oh, is this sap? This is, uh, it, it, it's borderline. I think it's got enough going for it musically to not be, but yeah. So this was written by uh, Randy Good- Goodrum, who uh, composed Murray's massive hit, You Needed Me, and also wrote Oh Sherry for Steve Perry, if you remember. Oh, that. that's a great song. Yeah, yeah. You gotta go. So this Pot of Thunder and they're or no no the Yacht Rock guys or something who did an, a th- the whole thing about O'Sherry and they played it over and over and over again oh it was the Yacht Rock guys uh-huh. it was hilarious <laughs> the whole episode it just kept on playing over and over again as they talked about it wow <laughs> so this one was originally recorded by England Dan and John Ford Coley and uh yeah, earlier in 1979 for their album, Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive. <laughs> Did they have their shirts on? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so this was the last of Ian's seven top 40 hits with their biggest being You Needed Me. And that one went to number one in 1978. And she's still with us. She's 77 years old. Number 23. Speaking of Yacht Rock. Yeah. <laughs> This is like Yacht Rock folded into one song. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it has to have the word fool in it. Yeah, I get Yacht Rock guys. Yeah, not the song, but the people involved. Put it that way. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so this is this is it. 
<laughs> That's hard to say. It's like, <laughs> this is this is it. <laughs> like, that reminds Lockett. me of like Bill Clinton. Yeah. Is this it? What is the <laughs> yeah. definition it. of it? Yeah. <laughs> so this is by uh, Kenny Loggins. Who's singing right there in the background? The fire. That's Mr. Michael McDonald. I I know that cave sounding voice anywhere. <laughs> So Casey said, if you think you recognize You missed it. <laughs> there it was. Oh, sorry. That's why I was going like this. Yeah, I was too busy trying to do my Casey imitation. <laughs> yeah, Casey said. You can't walk and chew gum at the same time either, right? Yeah. If you think you recognize the voice of the backup singer on this one, try the Doobie Brothers because it's Michael McDonald. <laughs> Oh, it's a good song. So yeah, the two of the, them wrote this song, and they, uh, yeah, um, you know, it's actually a guy looking for a miracle, and he needs to stand up and fight. And uh, apparently, it was uh, based on the fact that uh, Kenny Loggins' father was like really ill at the time, and oh, no. so that's what inspired him to write it. And uh, so, of course, Kenny Loggins and Mike McDonald had paired up before with What a Fool Believes. Doobie Brothers uh, big hit with uh, Michael McDonald's vocals. And uh, they would go on to write several other songs. Wait, wait. <laughs> and I could drone on for hours, but <laughs> <laughs> basically, uh, yeah, so these guys are both still with us. Loggins is 74 and Mike McDonald is 70. All right, what number hit song was this for Smokey? So this was, well, I should tell you what Casey said. So this, right. is, this is Cruisin' by Smokey Robinson, and Casey said, uh, Every once in a while, you come across an artist who makes having a hit record seem easy. Mm. This, this man has had 31 of them, wow. some of them as a lead singer of The Miracles and some as a solo artist. And, uh, yeah, so this was off of uh, his album Where There's Smoke. Kind of a cool title. Yeah, so he, uh, Smokey said that uh, his guitarist, Marv Parkland, had already written the music for this song. And um, so he gave Smokey a cassette and he said, write the lyric. And it, it took him five years to figure out what to put to the music. And then one day he said, he got it. You're going to fly away and I'm glad you're coming my way. And then as he was driving his car down Sunset Boulevard, he heard the song by the Rascals, Reuven, oh, and yeah. he thought, that's it, Reuven. But then, no, it wasn't intimate enough. It wasn't central enough for the music. And then he thought of cruising. So a couple notable covers of the song. Uh, uh, 1995, uh, soul singer D'Angelo De uh, did one, which peaked at number 53. And Gwyneth Paltrow and Huey Lewis did it for the oh, movie yeah. Duets, which yeah, topped the yeah. charts in Australia. Yeah. 
And, I think uh, they used to play that on the on the speakers at down in the plant that you used to work at. I, I think I remember hearing it. Yeah. And I was on a phone call for an hour and a half with Ruben today. Ah. Uh, was good, Ruben. good man. Yeah. Yep. So Smokey's still with us. He's 82 years young. Wow. What you gonna do when she says goodbye? <laughs> Doesn't yeah. it sound like that? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's the same folks, right? It is. So this is, yeah. Hey, which one's Cruz? Pablo? Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. It's, that's just a fake name. <laughs> You taught us all about this last Yeah, time. yeah, I did. So this is uh, I Want You Tonight by Pablo Cruz off their album Part of the Game. And uh, Casey said, Pablo Cruz likes to celebrate the Yuletide with hit songs. Their last top 40 was from Christmas 1978 with Don't, Don't Want to Live Without It. And, and that one went to number 21. Um, I couldn't find much of anything about this song. Uh, it, it got a few notches higher to number 19. Um, these guys had a total of five top 40 hits, the last being Cool Love that went to number 13 in 1981. Oh, yeah. There it is. So this is Jane by Jefferson Starship off their album Freedom at Point Zero. Um, this one peaked at number 14. Uh, a lot of people ask who is Jane in the song and in a song facts interview with Jefferson Starship bass player David Friedberg um, who wrote the lyric he said let's just say it's loosely based about an old girlfriend of mine whose name wasn't Jane. <laughs> yeah. But isn't this Elvin Bishop singing? Oh, no, it's not. It's Mickey Thomas. And Mickey Thomas was the lead singer for the Elvin Bishop band with Fooled Around in Love ah. from 1975 or whatever it was. That's right. We, that we, we had, had on that. it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So he ended up joining the Starship or the Jefferson Starship. And then he was in Starship. He's probably still with us. It's a great song. Yeah. So, on December 1st, 1979, Jefferson Starship did a concert at the Aragon Ballroom in Chicago. And the opening act couldn't perform because the Starship didn't give the band enough room to set up on stage. The opening act was... Rory Gallagher. <laughs> All he needed was a plaid shirt and a, and a, and a PA, right? Yeah. Would you, would you, let me rock, let me rock. <laughs> this is this is great right here. Hmm. Yeah, a little. <laughs> who's, who's, is, is that uh, Cantor playing the guitar? Who, who's the guitar player on this? This is a great song. I yeah. love this song. You ever see the record cover for uh, for this LP where it's a I think a kid on an aircraft carrier with a 
paper airplane. Yeah, yeah. I think I saw it when I was looking up the. Uh, the it's a weird cover. Yeah. Does he have a shirt on? Yeah, the little boy has a shirt on. Okay. <laughs> All right, this is the Eagles. This is the long run. This is number 19. Yeah, it gets to number eight. Written by Glenn Fry and Don Henley. And um, yeah, let's see. The long run was the last album the Eagles released before they broke up. A very happy day for Pete, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So we're gonna go a little off script here as we usually do, and we're gonna we're actually gonna listen to what Casey has to say about technology in 1979. Yeah, it's very interesting. Well, now many of you have probably heard something about a new recording technology called digital recording. Oh my gosh! It's a recording system in which the sound is turned into computer language and then transferred to disc, which Ooh. produces very high quality records. And it looks like the wave of the future. Well, in the past. A lot of other ideas that looked good turned out to be audio dinosaurs and soon became extinct. For example, you're a caveman, not a dinosaur. Lightweight vinyl from the early 70s called Dynaflex. You could bend Dynaflex records almost double. That's how thin they were. Unfortunately, Dynaflex records warped as easily as they bent. Oh my gosh. That was the end of Dynaflex. (laughs) That's the end of Dynaflex. Play tapes. Tiny little (laughs) tape cartridges that held four songs each. But they were soon eclipsed by the much larger capacity 8-track cartridges and cassettes. Uh-huh. And Singles. Then there was one of the strangest audio dinosaurs of them all. This is the best. It was an early attempt back in the 30s at stereophonic sound called the Cook Binaural Turntable. Binaural. Which played only Cook Binaural records. And the pickup arm on that turntable looked just like the incredible two-headed transplant, a movie I co-starred in with Bruce Dern. It had two heads, <laughs> each with its own needle running simultaneously. In so is that the key right the there? Record. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So tell me tell me about the, the, the movie. Yeah. So it was a movie in 1971, kind of a B-horror movie. And um, it, it also starred Pat Priest, who was Marilyn Munster. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I will put a link to the trailer for that movie in the show notes. So we, we see Casey branching out, right? He was in this movie in 1971, and he was on the that Christmas uh, special we mentioned in the beginning of the show. Well, well, he was also once on the Hardy Boys Nancy Drew Hour when basically the, the, they kicked the can and they they uh, the Hardy Boys had to figure out a mystery at Universal Studios and Casey Kasem played Peter Falk as a character, Columbo. Oh. <laughs> Did you ever see that? Uh, no, no. That may, Boy, maybe I should put that in the show notes if I can find it as well. <laughs> yeah. But binormal, or binaural, I don't know how to say it, um, was also how Lou Reed recorded stuff. All right. Uh, I think we talked about that at, at, at some point in time in, in the past. So mm. um, anyhow. So that's that's a little a little bit of Casey and and his movie and 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 dinosaurs and I'm I'm <clears throat> looking to my left right now and I have what 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 would you say Mark about 300 CDs on my wall there uh, yeah 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 you got and I, and I got about collection. 2000 LPs and I talked about my 300 audio tapes yeah, I got to start the- getting rid of this stuff. It's got the whole attic of the Butt-Off-Williams house. <laughs> 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 
here we got Captain Hook again, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, doctor. <laughs> he's, he's got a PhD, I think. <laughs> oh, oh, I'll say that, you know, like Dr. Dre. Yeah. But let's recycle. We got to come up with new material, man. Tonight on It's the Mind, we examine the phenomenon of deja vu. That strange feeling we sometimes get that we've lived through something before. So this is Dr. Hook, and uh, uh, the song is Better Love Next Time, off their album Sometimes You Win. And right here. And there it is. So Casey said, here's a group that hits the top 40 no less than three times in the past year. <laughs> uh, this one got to number 12 and spent 19 weeks on the chart. They would have uh, a bigger... I, I remember this song a lot. And yeah. yeah. Um, they'd have a bigger hit off the same album in 1980 with Sexy Eyes that went to number oh, yeah. 5. That and Sylvia's Mother from 1971 <laughs> that also got to number 5 were uh, the biggest of their nine top 40 hits. All right, this is Barry Manilow. This is Chips. Yeah. This one got to number nine. It was originally written and performed by British musician Ian Hunter. And oh, wow, from Mata Hoople. And then it was released as a single in August 1979. Hunter's release of the single never made the charts. The song is said to be about Ian's relationship with his father. And... Casey Kasem reported on the American Top 40 broadcast of October 27th, 1979, that the reason that Barry Manilow selected this song to record was that his father had been absent from his life since the age of two, and then following a concert 30 years later in 1975, Manilow was changing his clothes in his dressing room. An unknown man entered his room telling him simply, I'm your father. I enjoyed the concert and would like to see you again. <laughs> wow. And then he Holy left. Holy moly, I never knew that story. That's yeah. that's powerful. Yeah. It's also like Star Wars. No, I am your father. I didn't have my glasses on when I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, sad song. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Barry's still with us. He's uh, 79. And as you said, used in a lot of long-distance uh, dedications. I think Ian Hunter's still with us too, and I I thought that Ian Hunter because I've heard this on Deep Tracks. Ah. Um, I had no idea this is Ian Hunter because I like Ian Hunter. I kind of like Mata Hoople. You know? He's like eighty five. Yeah, Mot, you know uh, Ian Hunter. Yeah, so Mata Hoople weren't they around for like a long time? Sixties. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, no, the 70s, you know, David Bowie made them big. <laughs> Actually, our buddy Jaime, who was on the show a few weeks ago, went to a Mata Hoople reunion show at the O2 in London about 10 years ago. <clears throat> and with his cousin, uh, Tom, who's one of the Mambo Sons. Uh, I don't know, well, you know who the Mambo Sons are around here? Nah, I think I've seen them. So Jaime's a big, big, big... Uh, Mott Ian slash Ian Hunter fan. Oh, okay. 
So this is a long distance dedication to our buddy Jaime. Thank you yeah. for being on the show two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was funny. That that episode's done pretty well too. I have to say. Oh, great. All right, this is Foreigner. They were uh, on our chart the last time around at number 27 with Dirty White Boy. <laughs> and uh, if any of you were lucky, uh, the Foreigner was up at the Big E about five years ago. You could have caught them at the Drycorns Stadium. I don't know what they call it now. Ever been to the Big E? Oh, I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Gail and I used to go quite a bit. Actually, we saw Charo. You saw Charo. Yeah. Awesome. She was awesome, too. <laughs> She's awesome. Yeah. Gucci, Gucci, Goo. I bet you like much, much more the Gucci, Gucci, Gucci. So, yeah. You have anything else? In uh, Charo yeah. in the big E? <laughs> yeah, so this is Head Games by Foreigner. Um, so I thought it was funny. Casey goes, um, he said, oh, what happens when Yankees beat Redcoats? <laughs> and it's <says, laughs> alluding to Foreigner being half British and half American. <laughs> so this one got to number 14. We discussed before, I, I think it's the worst album cover ever. And um, it shows a bathroom, um, a.k.a. the head. That's why the head games, it's kind of a joke. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of radio stations wouldn't play the songs from the album because of the cover, and also many re- retailers didn't stock it. There you go. I like this song. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't recognize it at first till we got to the chorus section. Oh, really? I recognized yeah. it right away. Ah, okay. And Casey talked about, if I can remember, <laughs> how her big sister is the lady that just passed away. Right. <laughs> uh, help me out. Come on, big country star. Loretta Lynn. Loretta Lynn. Yeah. The coal miner's daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about uh, Crystal Gale. She's like 20 years younger than Loretta Lynn. Yeah. yeah. And she's the one with the hair down to the floor, right? Yeah. 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 So this is Half the Way um, off her album Miss the Mississippi. Uh, her real name is Brenda Gale Webb. And um, this turned out to be her biggest hit with the exception of Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue reaching number two on the country charts and uh, number 15 on the pop chart. Yeah, so Casey was talking about other famous people that uh, were siblings and had different last names, including uh, Olivia de Havilland and Joan Fontaine, Warren Beatty and Shirley MacLaine, and Peter Graves and James Arnett. <laughs> ah, if you didn't get that, I was going to say Peter Graves. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Crystal Gale is... Whoa, 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 whoa. How come we didn't talk about Martin or Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez? Uh, yeah, yeah, Casey didn't mention that today. Yeah, because that happened in the 90s or the yeah. late 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, time warp. Yeah. So Crystal Gale's still with us. She's 71. Great song.
know. This performance from England, don't you know? Yeah. Is he like a knight or a a baron or a knight in shining armor? He he is. So this is Cliff Richard and the songs we don't talk anymore. And yeah, um, he's a huge artist in the UK. In 1990, he became the first artist to have uh, number ones in the UK in five consecutive decades. Wow. And he made it six as Millennium Prayer was number one in December of 1999. And yeah, in 1995, he received a knighthood. Still with us, he's 82 years old. Um, This song got to number seven. This is a huge song right around now. Yeah. You know, this is big. Nice song. What's missing? It's the time that I spend alone Sailing on the cool and bright clear water Ever go sailing? Um, I, I have, yeah. You? Yeah, like in a, you know, what are those things called? A sunfish. I've never yeah. been on a, on a big boat with a sail, have you? Other than the Charles W. Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say, and and uh, old Ironside, right? old Ironside, <laughs> yeah, USS Constitution up in Boston Harbor, yeah. But you've done like sunfish and things like that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Never turn over, uh, yeah. And then you you put your feet on the that thingy you put in. What's that thing called? I don't, I don't know the vernacular. Yeah. You know, and I have sailing merit badge. I should know. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Well, this is the Little River Band from Australia, and they sailed to the United States with this 45, and they sold a lot of songs, yeah. a lot of records. Nice. Uh, it's a nice song. Yeah. Yeah. This is a cool change, and I got a few notches higher to number 10, and Casey said, we Americans, we import foreign cars and television sets, and we import hit music, too. (laughs) And they said 11 of the 40 hits on this week's uh, top 40 are foreign acts. And the Little River Band had number six last time with uh, Lonesome Loser. Yeah. I I like this song better than that Lonesome Loser. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is a very nice song. Yeah. So this song was named uh, one of the 30, 30 greatest Australian songs of the last 75 years by the um, Australian Performing Right Association. Where was Two Buffaloes? <laughs> I don't know. By Rolf Harris. <laughs> so these guys had 13 top 40 hits. The biggest one was, uh, yeah, Reminiscing. That went to number two in 78. You know, Two Buffaloes is a uh, Bob Steele song. I bet Bob Steele would play this song. Yeah, I think so. Welcome to the 80s. And the 70s. But the sound is the 80s of what would come. Off that great LP, Off the Wall. Yeah. This is uh, one of the Jackson 5. If you haven't heard this song, you're get out of your rock. Yeah. 
you get it rock rock with you yeah <laughs> it is and yeah of course yeah michael jackson this one went to number one it was written by rod temperton who was the keyboard player and primary songwriter in the group heat wave he wrote their 1977 hit boogie nights which got the attention of Michael Jackson's producer, Quincy Jones, Quincy Jones. Yep, who he signed up Temperton to write some songs for uh, Michael Jackson, and the arrangement worked out quite well. The first song he wrote for Jackson was this one, and he also wrote the title track to the album Off the Wall, and later contributed to the title song to Jackson's next album, Thriller. Yeah. Yeah. So, so who this, who were the backup musicians on this? Was it Toto, like it was on Thriller? Um, I don't know. I didn't didn't see that in my in my research. May have this been. Is, this is considered yacht rock. Yeah. For a lot of folks. Beautiful song. Yeah. I love this song. Right, so, right here. <laughs> yeah. That does not sound like the high school band. No. <laughs> So this was Michael Jackson's third number one on the Billboard uh, one, Hot 100. His first two were Ben, ben. and Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. That was, and Don't Stop was off the same LP as this. Popular songs in the country from Kodiak to Kokomo, from Hartford to Honolulu. Wow, this is we're we're kind of on a, a string of really good songs here. Cool change, rock with you. What do the ladies like to do? That's not the high school band either. No. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't play any instruments, did you? No. Um, I tried the clarinet when I was a very young young lad and uh, no musical ch- talent. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so there the oscilloscope. Yeah. <laughs> the uh vibra slap. Um, <laughs> so this is yeah, Ladies Night by Cool and the Gang off their album Ladies Night. This one got to number eight and number one on the soul chart. So this song has a special place in my heart because uh, whenever it was Sunday night at at my house, um, Monday was garbage day. So Sunday night was garbage night. So invariably (laughs) when it became time for uh, my wife, Gail, and I to get the garbage together, I'd be like, oh, yes, it's garbage night. And the feelings, right? Oh, what a night. <laughs> now, you've seen Cool in the Gang down at the Formula One race down in uh, a couple times. You also yeah. saw the Billy Joel and uh, yeah. other folks. Yeah. And how's Cool and the Gang sound today or in the last they, five they years? They sounded great. And the thing that struck me is how many songs that they were playing that oh i know this one and i know this one and that's a big song and that's a big song and yeah these guys had so many hits 20 top 40 hits to wow be precise uh the biggest one of course was celebration that went to number one in 1980 but too many to list here and we we will certainly uh 
visit these guys again and we may see these guys in person someday too again <laughs> well yeah so we might have a 70s wiki countdown uh is that the name of the show with mark and pete <laughs> um get together down at the oakdale theater I'm, I'm trying to look through my here we go it's uh oh crap i don't have the date that i i snipped for you Cool in the Gang, with very special guest, the Average White Band, who's on the Disco Hits LP, cool the and the Spinners. With Thanks, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We won't see Casey there. Uh, that's too bad. But that's in April or something like that? Yeah, yeah, a little, little ways out. But that, yeah, that, that sounds like that could be quite the show, right in our wheelhouse for what we're doing here. A- absolutely, because Spinners, are, and, and maybe... You know the gentleman that had a pint with Jaime will be there too. It's not. It's not a job. Hey, hey, uh, Hamish. I, I forget his last name now. Yeah, it's not a job. It's a. What did Jaime say? It's a passion or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is off of Breakfast in America. Mm-hmm. Big, big, huge record. It's in the collection upstairs. I didn't have it. One of my sisters did. The Super Tramp. This is a Roger Hodgson song, if I remember. Sounds like him. And uh, there it is, The Long Way Home. Yeah. So uh, this one. Typically, I take the long way home when there's traffic backed up in the interstate and I have to take the back roads. Yeah. (laughs) I used to always take the back roads after a while got tired of the highway that's why you retired yeah so this one peaked here i think at number 10 um roger hodson uh explained that this song is about a guy who thinks he's really cool the lyric says so you think you're a romeo playing the part in a picture show but it seems that he's only he's the only one that thinks that implies that uh he avoids getting home because when he's on the road he has a few more moments of being alone with his dreams and uh, he dreams he's a superstar so um the uh super tramp refused you know that, that sounds like something that uh, uh what's his name uh ray davies would uh, from the kinks would write about you know yeah so super tramp refused a five million dollar offer from the greyhound bus company to use this song for its bus commercials <laughs> maybe i should have played that longer and not played this one at all <laughs> but uh, out of that you know that super tramp record um there are better you know other ones i like better yeah, yeah. It's a good huge record though yeah yeah so this is yeah heartache tonight by the eagles off the long run album uh, this one got to number one uh, written by don henley and fun fry also with bob seeger and jd Sother. And Bob Seeger's contribution to the song was the chorus that you're hearing right here. Um, and uh, yeah, the Eagles had 16 top 40 hits. Some people like to stay 
Was this about the time that the captain takes an eel? Was this their last hit? Do they have any more? Um, I think this might have been their last hit. Yeah. Yeah, so this is do that to me one more time. <laughs> Should let her say it. <laughs> so this one was written by Tony Tennille, and she uh, also wrote the uh, 1974 hit, The Way I Want to Touch You, kind of a theme she's got going here. <laughs> At this point, the Captain and Tennille had left their longtime uh, A&M record label and signed with Casablanca. Uh, for the yeah, and then this... Casablanca like went out of business after Disco tanked. Hmm. Yeah, so this was yeah their their album uh, Make Your Move, um, and um, yeah, you know uh, we uh, reminds me we might have a sponsor this week. Last year I was on a cell phone. I said, make sure we have a backup for O'Neill. He heard Captain Antonio. That's when we got free and clear with Sprint PCS. Real clear calls and nationwide long distance included. So now, wherever we go, what do we have? A backup for O'Neill. The Sprint PCS free and clear plan with nationwide long distance included. Every minute, every day. So, <clears throat> did you ever have Sprint as a carrier? I might have. Really? Back when, maybe with like a flip phone or something back in the day. I'm not sure. No. Yeah. Because because I started with Lynx, L Y N X, and I think I yeah. probably still have that phone in the same bag it came in. Probably got it twenty six, twenty seven years ago when we got our first cell phone, and then Lynx was bought up by somebody and eventually turned into uh, that's my provider. What do you think of your cell phone service? Can you um, hear me now? Yeah. <laughs> Who do I have? Yeah. I ha- oh, I have uh, the other guys. Yeah, Verizon. So you have Verizon. So equal time, I guess. We're given all the <laughs> cell phone providers. <laughs> and then the other one left is T-Mobile, I guess. Because yeah. They actually bought Sprint, but Sprint was bought by. Well, then you got the for the old people too the the consumer cellular consumer right? cellular yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> those commercials there's there's a lady on on the commercial they I haven't seen her in a long time but she looks like my aunt yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh it was Nextel Nextel yeah so so Sprint bought Nextel yeah and now it's T-Mobile why do I feel I'm hearing the Eagles again. <laughs> Well, there's a good reason for that. Well, tell me the reason, please. So, this is uh, J.D. Sover, and uh, the song is You're Only Lonely, off the album You're Only Lonely. This one peaked right here at number seven. It was a number one adult contemporary hit for five weeks. So, Souther uh, said that... Uh, Roy Orbison, who had a hit with Only the Lonely, was a big influence on this song. Sounds a lot like that song, actually, and a lot like Roy Orbison. Um, But uh, he said he was a little kid when he first heard uh, Roy Orbison, but to him it was magic. So we really have four songs that are connected on this countdown. Two Eagles... We have Only the Lonely with J.D. Selder because he helped write Heartache Tonight. 
Right. right? And Richie Fury, number 39, was in the Fury Solder Hillman band. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the connections run run all through this. Yeah. Maybe we should do an Eagles podcast and get all these other... No. no. <laughs> yeah. I was like, excuse me. I was about to have a heart attack. <laughs> Maybe we'll do everything but the Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> the everything but the Eagles podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who gets top billing? Yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a toss up. You got to compromise, I think. It's well, she started. Bat yeah, started here, and I think she got top billing because of that, right? Yeah. Well, by was... rights, she was the artist that was you know around longer. Yeah. But she was at number 32 with the main event last time around. Barbara yeah. Streisand, Babs. And here comes our other star. Who we heard at number 36 with Dim All the Lights. Yeah. This is a fun song. Yeah, yeah. I like this one when it when it finally drops. Yeah. Well, we got a, a little bit of time, as you can see by the... So just fast forward to there. And Donna had, uh, like I said, dim all the lights previously. Here we go. So this is on two record labels. This is on Columbia slash Casablanca. Do you have any uh, <clears throat> any notes on this, Mark? Yeah, yeah. So it, Casey talked at length. So this is no more tears, uh, parentheses. Enough is enough. Yes, waiting for them. <laughs> oh, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> you didn't so, go like this. Yeah. So Casey talked at length about there were negotiations, uh, for the record, uh, you know, what would be how the singles would be released in terms of the covers on the Casablanca record. Donna Summer got top billing, but Barbara got a better photo. But then on the Columbia um, single release, Barbara got top billing, but Donna got the better picture. But the um, Columbia didn't want Barbara to look so much shorter than Donna on the album. Um, she's about a head shorter than Donna. So wow. they photographed them to make Barbara look a bit taller on Barbara's album. So maybe I'll put a link to the, the picture. It's kind of that. like Sonny and Cher, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, according to uh, Jabara, <laughs> the, the, the recording session was not a case of dueling divas, but the two were intimidated by each other leading to some one-uppings summer tried to uh, keep up with streisand's lengthy notes and uh nearly toppled off her stool when she ran out of breath i guess so. like right here where barbara's doing that i think yeah yeah but all in all uh people there said it was pure magic and uh 
when this hit number one on the uh, Hot 100, November 24th, 1979, it was the first time a duet between two female singers had topped the chart. Wow. Yeah. It's a great song. Yeah. Great yeah. collaboration. Glad they got it together. And all the lawyers could work it out. Yeah. <laughs> So is Stevie uh, still using the uh, the big giant computer system? The, the Tonto? The yeah. Tonto? Yeah, so I was talking to our friend, or texting our friend Mike T yesterday. and uh, Mike Tonto. Yeah, and I tell him about that. And then I texted him the picture of the uh, um, development test set that was on Manix that I, tested, <laughs> that I texted you. And he, he thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, so this is uh, Send One Your Love by Stevie Wonder off of uh, his album Stevie Wonder's Journey Through the Secret Life of Plants. Yeah. I do not have this LP. Okay. Yeah. But I remember, I think it was a double LP, if I recall. Yeah, this uh, the single got to number four. Um, Stevie was getting, you know, a bit softer in the late 70s, and uh, this song also became uh, his second single to be on top of the adult contemporary chart following uh, You Are the Sunshine of My Life. Um, and uh, yeah, this one was on uh, the top uh, for four weeks. And uh, Cashbox said that it has an unusual sound that gets better each time you hear it mm. with an offbeat percussive background and an unusual lyrical structure. Of course, uh, you get some of that real nice uh, Stevie Wonder harmonica too a little later. And, uh, yeah, Stevie's thankfully still with us. He's 72 years old. I was tired of my lady. We've been together too long. Like a worn out recording. Well, this goes for a while. This is yeah. Rupert Holmes. Mm -hmm. And this is the uh, Escape song. Better known as what? The Pina Colada song. Yeah. Did Casey have anything good to say about this? Um, yep. well, he said it's uh, the third week in the top ten. Um, so... Rupert Holmes, he's written several Broadway plays, including Say Goodnight, Gracie, and The Mystery of Edwin Drood. And yeah, he also has written songs that have been performed by Barbara Streisand, Judy Collins, and Britney Spears. He created a television series called Remember W-E-N-N, -N, and wrote a novel called Where the Truth Lies. And he's won Tonys and Emmys and Edgars. But despite all of this, he's best known for this song. And in an interview with uh, Song Facts, he said, I have a feeling that if I saved an entire orphanage from a fire and carried the last child out on my shoulders as I stood there in the charred and smoking remains, they'd say, hey, aren't you the guy who wrote the Pina Colada song? I also saw an interview with him where he said whenever people beat him in bars and find out who he is they offer to buy him a pina colada and he's like he 
he showed himself and he's like, I'm kind of hefty, you know, buy me a glass of wine instead. <laughs> well, my, my favorite thing with this is early, late 80s, early 90s Simpsons. Um, a coupon book comes in the mail to the Simpsons house. And one of the things is a free colonic. And which is, you know, an interesting type of of look-see into where you're sitting right now, I believe. And Homer starts singing, I like peanut colonics. <laughs> you ever see that? I, you know, yeah, as you were talking about it, I'm like, yeah, now I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> that was genius. Yeah. See, they were clever then. You know, I haven't yeah. watched Simpsons in 20 years because it just got whatever so yeah. so this was number 39 our last time around from September 29th 1979 11 weeks ago and 10 episodes ago and when uh, I saw Casey in the Sunshine Band uh, with sister number 3 back in September Casey sang this song, and he was out in front with his great band. And Casey said at that concert, he said, this was the first number one single of the 80s. So in a few weeks, it would become the number one song. And, uh, you know, we love Casey, right? Yeah. Yep. And, um, yeah, they... Uh... They had nine top 40 hits, and uh, this was, yeah, their last of uh, five number ones. And, uh, yeah, yeah, as he said, it, it would go to number one in 1980. And, um, yeah, Harry Wayne Casey is 71. And Casey uh, Kasem talked about the other guy, Rick Finch, in the band. who got his start at age seven when he and his brother recorded a song in a coin-operated booth that he got hooked on. <laughs> recording music and uh rick finch is still with us he's 68 so was he part of the show or do you know no no no, no. there wasn't there's only one old dude up there that looked like my <laughs> my cousin stevie yeah <laughs> so. now this is you know out, out of all the you know casey played like eight tunes i think i talked about it uh when we had casey on before uh, when i did the uh concert review and it, this is kind of a snoozer but to know that this was the number one song of 1980, you know, when we were, you were 15 and I was 14, just go, wow, you know? Yeah. And, and that he's still doing it, it's great. So he's a year younger than than um, uh, Stevie Wonder, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I th did Casey also talk about, or maybe it was on a, another one I listened to, where Casey uh, worked at, the, at a record uh, uh you know, a producing company, whatever, a, a studio, you know, uh, wanting to, uh, you know, he, he said, I'll clean the bathrooms and take out the garbage. So I think yeah. that was might have this, in this past weekend on XM. So yeah, we'll get that to another time. Well, these guys had number eight on our last countdown with Sail On. Mm -hmm. And this is the sound of the 80s, too. Yeah. 
out you once. One of the uh, latest inductions into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You yeah. Lionel Richie, the front man for the Commodores. Yeah. You said you never. Yeah, this is uh, still. And um, Casey said the Commodores are one of the most stable groups you're ever gonna hear. Kept the same six members for the last ten years. Of course, um, Lionel Richie would leave the band in 1982 to go on to a huge stellar career. Um, Commodores themselves would have one more big hit, Night Shift, in 1985. Oh, sure. And uh, Lionel Richie got the idea for the song from the failing marriage of his childhood friend, William Schmitty Smith. After Smith's marriage broke up, the two buddies had a long conversation from 9 p.m. until sunrise, in which they agreed that it's better to divorce as friends than stay married and hate each other. So... Um, yeah, and I, I recently watched that uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction uh, ceremony where Michael uh, Richie was inducted. How did you get that? Was um, that on YouTube? Uh, I was out at my sister's, so uh, it was off. Maybe it was like uh, HBO or something. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I don't have. I've never had HBO. It's too expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Number one. Oh, yeah. Dennis <laughs> DeYoung. Sticks. No Tommy Shaw. Yeah. So this is uh, off their album Cornerstone. This is Babe. Um, Dennis DeYoung wrote this as a birthday present for his wife Suzanne. He didn't envision it as a stick song, just something personal for his wife. But when uh, his record company heard it, they pegged it as a hit and insisted it be on the album. Um, all the vocals are done by DeYoung, who recorded himself to create the harmonies. Um, this was the only number one U.S. hit for Sticks. Um, so. Yeah, the, the Tommy Shaw versus Don, Dennis DeYoung six songs are like night and day, really. Say. It kind of creates that love-hate relationship I think a lot of people have with Sticks. Yeah. What was that other song they had? The first hit they had, which is a Dennis DeYoung song. Um, is it Lady? Lady, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is like a copy of Lady. Yeah. So is he still married to this lady? Um, I should have looked that up. All right, well, that's number one song. It's kind of a downer. That's yeah, it's after such a great countdown. Yeah, that's the number number one song for uh, the weekending, uh, the fifteenth of December, nineteen seventy nine. Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah to folks then, and happy Hanukkah to the folks that are celebrating. Uh, I guess on the 18th or something this year and uh so all righty so um yeah we'll get into our our ratings and things and first thing we always do of course is that song we picked to torture the other guy that we've labeled your agonizer please no mr slug we want 
I picked number 17, Barry Manilow Ships. It's on the paper. Yeah, uh, good, good choice. Uh, there were <laughs> there were quite a few I think you could have picked, but yeah, good choice here. I I, uh, I, I really didn't like this one. I mean, I'm not a Barry Manilow fan per se, but there's some songs I do like of his, but this is, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I hope I'm agonizing you. But yeah. knowing it's Ian Hunter, I'm going to have to, you know, open my ears next time I hear the Ian Hunter version because of the the words. And the story behind it that you told about, you know, two-year-old yeah. Barry Manilow's father coming back. Yeah. Unless he was an imposter. Yeah. 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 Interesting. All, All right. right. What are you going to agonize me with? Is well, it going to the... the Eagles or J.D. Souther? Or Richard Fury. Yeah, well, it's kind of you know, there were there were quite a few choices here, but I, <laughs> I I had to narrow it down, and you have to come up with one. So, yeah, I I, I did number nineteen, the long run. Yeah. Despite the you know the Joe Walsh guitar, I think is, is all right. But I think I, even I think this is kind of just like a blah Eagles song too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, seems, it almost seems kind of lazy or something. Yeah, it sold a lot of records. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what's the next? Uh, what's the so the next, next one is, is uh, yeah, best song of the countdown. All right. Well, I'm gonna back it up one, and I'm gonna go with number twenty. Yeah. And uh, I'm not a big airplane fan or a Hot Tuna fan or a Starship or Jefferson Starship or whatever the heck they're called now but I really like this song and yeah. I think Mickey Thomas does a great job and they're spot on when they put this together so. yeah yeah that, this is a good song yeah, and yeah I think sure. this is maybe one of the most rockin'est songs yeah. on the countdown this week and I like rock and roll yeah it's it's so good I almost forgive him for pushing Rory Gallagher off the stage <laughs> So, what is uh, uh, what is your? Yeah, I, I, this this wasn't so easy because I'd say there were like four or five songs that, that could have made it, but um, I did uh, number thirty one. Don't do me like that. Great song, great yeah. LP, great band. Yeah, I think this might be one of my favorite Tom Petty songs, actually. Just, the, you know, really upbeat and cool sound. I had a couple runners up. I I, I said I, I really like uh, the, the John, John Cougar, uh, I Need a Lover. John Cougar who? <laughs> Melon Camp. No. <laughs> or just Melon Camp. No. <laughs> I'm not going to say it again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, this is, this is up there. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I'm going to give you the worst song of the countdown. Okay. And it's number, number 37. <laughs> and I think a lot of it had to do with what I heard over the weekend on, on XM radio, deep tracks with the Fleetwood Mac uh, Fleetwood Mac channel yeah it's just a stupid song no one knows what it's about and if you go back and you read about 
cost. You know, it's a double LP. They're coming off of Rumors, which was a huge, huge, huge record. And it took forever to record this because Lindsey Buckingham was 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 trying to, you know, write the Bible or something, okay? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, recording things in the bathroom. And you know, it's... I, ha- I think I have it in the collection. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever listened to it. I don't know if it was mine or I got it, from, you know, someplace. I don't know. What, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, I, I... Part of my thing, too, is it just seems to go on and on, too. Like, you... Like, okay, yeah, they got the thing, and then that marching band comes in. I mean, I don't... I don't hate it, and, and for me, it wasn't the worst in the countdown, but I, when I was listening to it, I was thinking to myself, I bet... I could almost picture Pete picking this as, <laughs> as something he doesn't like and for a lot of reasons, you know. I think too, coming from a band that, yeah, like you said, was so so big with the previous album and everything, and it's kind of it's it's a bit pretentious that like I oh, will just put this thing together, you know. And you know, Fleetwood Mac came around before the pandemic to the uh, to the hockey team used to play. And uh, Jeff E said he was he was going to see Fleetwood Mac, and I and I said, "What do you really like pretentious stuff?" <laughs> so, because I, I just find Fleetwood Mac, it's, and, and trust me, I like Fleetwood Mac, especially like the early '70s stuff, and and I you know the the you know the classic lineup is good, and I think they're awesome musicians, and yeah. but this this is just just drives me crazy yeah so i've been actually uh, get, getting into the the peter green fleetwood mac yeah you know, I, i'm not 60s. into the peter green stuff yeah. I, I i've heard oh well enough okay yeah. and black magic woman by yeah. Other people, yeah. So. but there's a lot of other stuff he did blues oriented stuff that was, was really the hypnotized record is in and and uh bear yeah. trees uh record is really good so. yeah all right so enough about my worst song of the countdown what is yours yeah so um i went with number eight where, where are the muskrat sounds right here? <laughs> yeah they, they would fit in great wouldn't they <laughs> they, they would and, and i just like i mean i don't know it's 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 kind of icky, right? <laughs> you know, when you get right down to it. You know, like I hadn't thought about that until now. Now I gotta go take a shower. Well, well, yeah, and it's like kind of, you know, some of the upbeat stuff Captain and Tennille had, like you said, you know, karaoke or whatever. But this just like I, I picture myself turning the radio knob. In fact, cue that right now. <laughs> Ow, you hurt my ears. <laughs> all right. All right. So uh, as, as we roll out of this, I'm going to find my guilty pleasure. And uh, it's, uh, oh, my God. What is, what is she talking about? As I, as I fumble through the, okay, here we go. So happy you're fumbling because I really want to hear this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's your fave. I think this is my guilty pleasure. And I've said it before, I like Yacht Rock. Yeah. And I told, I think I told you this story about my brother-in-law, Uncle Bill, 
who played yacht rock music at a, at a you know get together and someone said that, that music's wonderful what's that playlist called <laughs> so yeah. is that your dog again yeah there's devil dog the hound of hell tuesday at nine eight central and mountain right after the paper chase <laughs> it's outside again my window's <laughs> close <laughs> So what, what, yeah, this, so this, this is a good song. No, I, I, I like this one too. Uh, yeah. Actually, I like this one a lot. Yeah. yeah that, the combination of the two voices is really good, I think. And then uh, Michael McDonald. So. Yeah, they, they wrote a lot of good songs together. Yeah. And, and I'm happy that... I, I'd love to see... I know Lawrence Messina came around uh, a dozen, maybe 14 years ago. And I didn't know then, you know? Yeah. And I would have loved to have seen him. And I, I would, I would go see. Well, I've seen Michael McDowell or McDonald um, in the Doobie Brothers, but Kenny Loggins, I'd love to see. Yeah. All right. So, what do you, we have for you for your yeah, pleasure? Yeah. And again, this, um, you know, maybe we we say often. Sometimes you just like the song outright. But nevertheless, I'll, I'll pick it slightly out of the genre I normally do. But uh, yeah, number 11. Ooh. Yeah. Ladies' oh, yeah. night. <laughs> Garbage night. Um, <laughs> it's, um, this is a great song. They're, they're great. Freaking Cool and the Gang uh, are fantastic, I think. So who's cool? Who's Pablo? <laughs> Which one's cool? Yeah. Actually, the, one of the guys is nicknamed Cool, and he's still. Um, He's like one of the, I think there's only like three or four that are, are the, the absolute originals. They started back, I think, in the late 60s. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, one of the guys, is uh, his nickname is Cool. Should, should have looked that up. But uh, So yeah. if you were thinking of people at the plant, you know, who would be cool? Who would be cool? Who would be cool? <laughs> Who's the coolest guy we work with? <laughs> Past and present? Or... <laughs> sure. <laughs> It's just for a moment I thought of Eddie. <laughs> just was... wow. I think it's Pick. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I just thought of Eddie just because he kind of talks cool. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I, I, I picked Pick yeah. because he never gets upset about anything. Yeah, and if he does, he knows how to keep it cool. Yeah, he, he's one of the best bosses I ever had. Yeah, absolutely. Good guy. Yeah. So if you're listening, pick, uh, you know, yeah, shout talk out. to my supervisor, you know, and say that uh, everything's cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, if, if we don't match up on, on the story song of the week, yeah, then, then we're not listening to the same countdown. Yeah. Oh. Uh oh. <laughs> no way. You know, I I think I think I just passed right over it because I, you know. Yeah, I picked something different, but you got to be kidding me! What are you insane? It's the end of everything. What are you, robots? Wound up toy soldiers. Well, when when I tell you though, you're gonna you're gonna. I gotta kick myself. Yeah, kinda. All right. So, what is it? So I had number twenty six. Everyone considered. Oh, the coward of the county. Coward of the county. 
Eh, you know, they made I, a movie out of it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I got. I mean, I. I would say I. I forgot about the Pino Tolada song. It, it would certainly be number two, and it would certainly be it if this one wasn't in there. But I got to say that this tells such a story that other than maybe Wreck of the Ip and Fitzgerald, I think it'd be hard to beat this one. <laughs> I, I think I just passed over this because I really don't like this song. Yeah. And I like the Pina Kalanick song. Yeah. Um, Fair, oh. fair enough. There's two, two big, big story songs. So. Yeah. All right. So now it's time for the most divergent song. Yeah. So, so I'm going to start with... Uh, so someone's going cruising. All right. And as he talked about in... Uh, from your show notes you know he was in his car driving around but what happens when you stop you're still okay <laughs> that's all i got that was yeah. hard it's hard but yeah props you did a good job there yeah yeah as good a job as i did i think <laughs> so. no you're, you're more clever than i am so so, so mr clever so, so because i wanted to hear it so much more again uh, i i have number eight <laughs> do that to me one more time <laughs> oh see you broke the rules again is it not for this category because <laughs> you know this is divergent all right all right maybe, so, maybe we'll have to amend the rules with a uh, uh we'll have to go to ecab yeah yeah, yeah. or right. yeah, we could get a waiver or a deviation yeah. or something devi- like that. We'll get a deviation from this yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so there's this. You know, do that to me one more time, and that goes against number six <laughs> because it's no more tears, but the subtitle is "Enough is Enough." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's icky. Yeah. Oh, well, the whole yeah. <laughs> no, I don't disagree. <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. So, as we rate the countdown, um, I thought I would give this like a wicked, wicked, wicked high score. Yeah, because right? it's right in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry. There's, and, and maybe what uh, we've, we've been doing the last half a year, seven months, whatever it is, 30, 32 episodes, I give this a B, and, but I love so much of this, but there are things that I, I just, it just dragged it down. Yeah. So. I, um. So, uh, yeah, my numerical ratings of each song, I had 19 good songs, 15 neutral, five bad, and one sap. Um, so with that kind of score, yeah, I I, um, I gave it a B, too. It was teetering on B-, but there's some iconic stuff in here. 
and um, some songs I really like, like this one. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Jane, like you said, is great. Uh, yeah, um, you know the Cool and the Gang song. The uh, a lot of good stuff, but a lot of a, a lot of just kind of blah stuff. And yeah, the, the number one song being Babe. Hate to say it, but that was the one I rated Sap. So really, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, maybe we can just roll out on this. Yeah, I kind of like this song. And uh, what would? Uh, yeah, it's a it's a fun countdown because yeah, you know, we're near the end of the seventies. We're at the age where we understood all this stuff. Yeah, you know? and uh, it, it's I, it's kind of cool too, right? Like you were saying, you see the eighties coming. You start off with the, you know, video killed the radio star, and you also had the uh, pop music, you know, which sounds very much like some of that stuff that would come, you know, just a few years later. And then also the, you know, the Commodore song, which was just like a lot of Lionel Richie's solo stuff. And, and yeah, so you're kind of seeing that transition. And the disco is kind of dying off, you know, there's still a few songs, but certainly not as many as a few years before. So, all right. So, yeah. what would uh, what would Kate? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pop out of this for a second. Do I really want to go to that one. Sure, I'm gonna go to this one. All there right. we go. So, uh, excellent week, and uh, getting ready for Christmas. Hopefully, uh, you sent your uh, postcard to Santa mm-hmm. for what you want. And uh, I certainly have, because I got 6,000 of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, as uh, Casey might say, uh, say excuse me, ta- uh, taking a cue from your Divergent songs, and keep still, but keep on cruising. Keep, keep your podcast machine right words tuned, and you might see a new logo for us at uh, at both the Twitter machine uh, what's our Twitter handle at 70s weekly or at 70s weekly right and on the uh, whatever podcatcher you use and we'll change it there too I think we should do both at the same time if you have time yeah and we'd like to thank Nate for that because it's very nice yeah nicely done and uh, we'll We'll see you again next time with uh, getting close to Christmas, folks. But not any Christmas songs next week. No way, man. (laughs) Too close. Yeah. All right. All right, man. Hang in there.